The work needed to build a smarter, stronger, and cleaner energy grid would not be possible without a skilled workforce. Welcome to Electric Perspectives, a podcast that explores how America's electric companies are working to deliver the reliable, affordable, secure, and clean energy that powers our economy and our everyday lives. The show is brought to you by EEI, the Edison Electric Institute, which represents all U.S. investor-owned electric companies. I'm your host, Brian Real. As part of our industry's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative, electric companies are establishing and enhancing their infrastructure academies and training programs. These programs enable electric companies to prepare the workforce of tomorrow while offering rewarding career opportunities in the communities they serve. Today, we will be highlighting just a couple of those programs. Our first guests are Terrell Lockhart, who leads the program from DTE Energy side in Detroit, and Clint Williams, who represents IBEW Local 17 and is the program's lead instructor. They are going to talk to us about DT Energy's recently lost Treat Home Academy. Terrell and Clint, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having us. So for those who don't know about it, can you explain a little bit about what the DT Energy Treat Home Academy does and why it's so important? All right, I'll take a stab at that. And so essentially at a high level, well, what it is, is a collaborative effort led by DTE and IBW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, to identify strong candidates for, for tree trimming um, that we feel can enter the tree trimming industry and help out and add to our local tree trimming workforce here in the state of Michigan. And for those tree trimmers, those are the ones who are making sure that trees aren't close to power lines, those sort of things? Yeah, that's exactly right. We look at... Um, an electric company, our distribution system is composed of thousands of miles of um, conductors and cable and power cables. And so trees grow up naturally from the earth and, and grow into those uh, and grow into those um, cables. And so essentially these tree trimmers, we have a, there's a maintenance cycle that needs to be executed to make sure that no tree gets no closer than necessary or no closer than safely uh, to a live conductor. And those tree trimmers go out on a daily basis and make sure that that's the case. So that was uh, Terrell Lockhart with DT Energy. So uh, Clint, from your perspective, what made you interested in, in really this effort here? Well, to be honest, I, I personally, I just love trees and anything to do with trees. That's, that's been a passion of mine since I was a child. Um, as was uh, mentioned earlier, I started off with the city of Detroit and, and then having this opportunity to expose other people to this trade, it, it was just something I couldn't um, pass, pass up. Now, I know you've had your first class, I believe, of graduates and you had uh, some of them placed successfully into jobs. So can you talk a little bit about what kind of jobs they were placed in and the kind of work they're doing now and then uh, when the next class starts? Well, current, okay. Well, the uh, as as you mentioned, the uh, graduates of our first class were placed with companies, and the jobs that they have are what are um, considered pre-apprenticeship positions. So they start off as woodsmen. Um, now, the purpose of this course was to actually prepare them not only for the woodsman position, but also for the apprenticeship program, which comes uh, soon thereafter. So they uh, work as woodsmen for about a month. And then after that, they go to our boot camp program. And the boot camp program pretty much prepares them for the apprenticeship. We uh, get them climbing in high trees. We, we teach them all the necessary safety protocols that they need to observe. And from there, 
the uh, stir off as uh, first step apprentice apprentices. And then Terrell, how often are you planning to do the academy throughout the year? And when does your next or, or kind of the second class go through? The six, the second class actually started about three weeks ago. Um, and so uh, the way the uh, curriculum is set up, it's a six week program and we have it essentially compartmentalized into sections uh, that really represent countermeasures to the normal track of becoming a, a, a journeyman tree trimmer. And so the first two weeks is kind of career prep, uh, you know, getting ready to enter uh, the work field, um, knowing how to read a credit report, knowing how to open a checking account, things of that nature, just in case folks don't need to, you know, don't know that. The next two weeks is the tree trimming uh, portion where they learn all the basics, what they need to be successful tree trimmers. And that's where Clinton uh, really leans in with his expertise. And the last two weeks is uh, of the six weeks is the CDL portion where they actually are trained and obtain that CDL when they leave the program. Again, um, the natural course of becoming a, a journeyman tree trimmer, there's only about a 32% success rate, right? And so we took a look at that and tried to divine uh, design as much as we could into a reasonable amount of time and we landed on six weeks all the countermeasures that we could into that and, and so far so good like you said out of that first cohort all of them were hired so so we know across the industry that uh, a lot of this work inherently is is dangerous and there's just a huge priority on safety from the top down really from the start of the day to the end of the day so can you talk a little bit about what goes into the development of the curriculum and just, I imagine safety is just emphasized throughout. Absolutely. So I'll give you a first. Brian, you're exactly right with that. Um, well, since working on the, the very first steps of the curriculum, safety has been the first and the last word out of our mouth every day, right? And so well, um, um, we sat down with Clint and he was able to take that safety as kind of the foundation of it and build up just enough what we needed for these guys to be successful woodsmen. And Clint, you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So every segment that we teach, we start off with, class lecture. Then we discuss um, the, the, the safety aspects of, of whatever segment we're teaching. So likewise, like today, uh, we went over chipper safety. So we had a class discussion. And then afterward, we took them outside and we had hands-on demonstrations on how to properly uh, use said equipment. So I was reading a little bit and it sounds as though there was a lot of kind of partnership with an organization called Focus Hope to develop this program. So obviously it, there, there's more than just learning the skills that create these opportunities for people. So can you talk a little bit about the recruitment process and some of the other barriers to entry that you all might've identified to help have people really carve out the time to commit to this academy? Yeah, so um, uh, to, um, in order to answer that question a little bit of context, uh, inherently or previously this, this industry specifically here in the, the trade area has been about 98% not diverse. And so whatever tracks or um, marketing or recruiting efforts have been used and they've been trying to you know, change that and, and reshift that, this hadn't been working. So at the conception of this project, we said we need to do something different. And we really wanted to partner with a community partner who really could give us a grassroots effort with the community who had the respect of the community and who had a proven track record of going out and identifying candidates. So we reached out and uh, it turns out the focus hope was exactly what we were looking for. They were really geared up to give us what we needed. So anybody interested, here's this broadcast and being a part of the program, that's the first step is call Focus Hope, go to um, Google Focus Hope, go to their website, 
And once you talk, you say the word truth trimming, and they're going to put you on the right track. And for some folks, I know that um, whether it's it's daycare or physically getting to it, I know once you're in this industry that it's they're pretty well paying jobs throughout. But there are a lot of things for people who are, who have the drive to do it, but there are just some barriers to them participating. It sounds like that's something that you all plan for. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know those. Um, those barriers that may come up, um, they uh, result in the need for wraparound services. So a lot of our conversation with Focus Hope was giving these folks kind of the wraparound support that they'll need to be successful for. So child care, transportation, um, and some other aspects of what we kind of geared up for. Um, and so as a part of joining and uh, being selected to be a part of this program, you at some stage, once you pass all the um the reading requirements and the drug test, you get before a three-person, uh, three-panel interview. And at that three-panel interview, they ask enough questions to kind of ascertain what kind of support would be needed, not as a disqualifier, but just as to understand what you'll need to be successful in this program and measure that up against, you know, all the other, um, you know, aspects of your, your, um, your ability to be successful in the program. So it's really tailored to each individual to really set them up for success. That's exactly right. Yes. Well, that's fantastic. Now, we, we talk about tree trimming, and I'm sure that there, there's work that you do every day, but there, there's always a focus on reliability and, and making sure that companies are doing everything they can to make sure that the lights stay on. Just a little bit more, maybe, just about how important and how active the, the vegetation management crews are kind of on a daily basis. It seems like there's every time it rains, things grow. So that's, uh, there's probably always a lot of work to do. All right. Well, Clint, stop me here, but I'll jump in and take a stab at it. So um, with producing power, there are a lot of things that go on behind the scene, obviously, in every industry, uh, from from uh, the power plants all the way out to distribution, getting the power to the household. But it turns out that no, you know nobody likes to have their power go out or brown out. And it turns out about 70% of the time when that brown out or power out happens, it's because of a tree. Some limb or vegetation has come in contact one of our power conductors out there. So, in fact, uh, tree trimmers work essentially all day, every day, um, even when there's no storm, with clearing vegetation away from those lines. If you think about it, trees grow. And and I'm just learning this. That's why I told Clint to jump in. I didn't know trees were so, you know, devastated to, uh, you know, the industry. But um, <laughs> not devastated. But, so, but the need to, um, to execute that maintenance, um, the rule of thumb is you need to touch every tree about five years to make sure that it doesn't intrude within that um, that safe operating distance. And so that five years can go and come and keep in track of that and make sure you execute that. That takes constant everyday effort. And so that and then and so then when a storm comes and you have trees that fall or do other devastating work, now you got to stop that cycle that it's difficult to maintain and go take care of the repair work. So it's a constant balance. It's tree trimming is going on 24 seven. It sound, obviously, it sounds like this is a great opportunity for a lot of people. Clint, could you talk a little bit about how you're just getting the word out, like how you're really reaching communities, whether you're working through partners or if there's any city programs, just to make sure that people know that it's an option for them to explore? Well, um, DTE, as well as Focus Hope, they have a very robust social media platform that they're using. Uh, so um, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of them, they, uh, they, they are using those platforms. Along with that, uh, we are encouraging uh, graduates of the first cohort to tell their friends or family members. And as a result, we've actually interviewed several individuals who, who heard about the program from past graduates. As a matter of fact, there is one person in this current class that's related to a, a, one of the graduates from the first cohort. 
So word of mouth along with the, uh, the social media platform. That's terrific. Now, as you look to create more opportunities for really the customers and the communities you serve, you had spoken a little bit about this to start, Terrell, but do you see that this might move the needle? Is it something where there are other opportunities like this? It's it's off to a great start. So um, it turns out that, um, like you touched on marketing a second ago. And so at the so once we got rolling, we got DTE and uh, Focus Hope, our marketing team really getting out there and putting the word out. But in the, in the, in the early beginning, it was just Clinton and I going out word of mouth telling people about the program and then when you do that everybody was like what do you mean tree trimmer but they when you tell them what they look like and what, what the name of the companies are oh i've seen those guys so they they've seen folks in the industry driving through the neighborhood all the time but they didn't know anything about them so it's really um so taking this kind of um affirmative approach with getting the marketing out through this nonprofit focus hope who's doing a great job and getting those successful graduates from the first cohort going back and telling their relatives and cousins how what a great opportunity it is uh, I think it's definitely going to move the needle. In fact, uh, our target, anybody can sign up for this program, but our target is Detroit and Metro Detroit. So we're not disqualifying anybody, but it's, it's no secret that we want Detroiters and Metro Detroiters to be a part of it. And I think uh, with that effort, we've seen in these first two cohorts, the demographics of it are kind of um, inverted from the, um, you know, for what is typically there. It's it's uh, the minority is the majority and the uh, majority is the minority. And that's not, you know, we figured that might be the case, but we didn't intend for that. But uh, we're pretty excited about how it turned out. So I definitely think it's going to move the needle. And we actually had a female in that first cohort as well. Yeah. And I many female males in the industry. That's great. So as we look to replicate the success across the industry, obviously, you've explained a, a little bit about how this has been a great partnership between DTE Energy, uh, IBW, uh, Local 17, as well as the... Uh, the community organization that you're working with. Are there any tips for other companies that are interested in getting something like this off the ground and the type of partners that they should be looking to, to work with to, to really make sure it's a success? Uh, well, the one, the one tip that I would give is if, if you look at it kind of like a process, an input process and an output. So the process is the training you're going to do. The input is the candidates. The, uh, the the output is the graduates. Where are those graduates going to end up? What companies do you hope for them to work with? Start with those companies and build the program with them. And then you match that output, that number, with kind of, you know, their input. That's another thing that we did. We got with all of our contractors because you didn't want to have to train too many folks and have them sitting around not looking for a job. I and mean, we, we didn't just want to train one or two and have a drop in the budget. So partner with those are um, who they're going to work for and build the program with them back forward. And then you, you'll have kind of that natural flow to it, if that makes sense. I mean, that sounds kind of intuitive, but that looking back on it, that's how I would simply say it. And how about you, Clint? Uh, really, I couldn't have said it better than Terrell. Uh, he pretty much encapsulized everything. So I'm sure there's a lot of work that goes into the training academy. And just how did the first class do? How many of them were able to complete it in kind of the, the expected time frame? Well, from beginning to end, we had 15 uh, candidates that started the six-week program. And at the end, we had 10 that successfully completed it and were placed. That's about 66%, which we feel is a success, especially considering that the, the normal journeyman track, there's only about a 32% success rate. And we know that that's not apples to apples. But again, we don't mind seeing that 66% uh, because we know that that number the, the more successful we are at producing candidates or even the more successful we are at identifying folks who don't want to be in the program, the higher the success rate along the uh, normal journey, journey track is going to be. 
That's great. So thank you both for joining us today. It's so great to learn more about this program and to just hear and recognize all the work that you both have done to really get this program off the ground and to, to be a success so quickly. Um, I imagine that it took uh, a lot of work from, from other partners. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to add just about the fact that I'm sure it was a team effort to really get this program growing. Yeah, you're exactly right, Brian. And, uh, and, and like you say, I feel very fortunate. Um, uh, Clinton and I both work for organizations uh, through DTE and IBUW that are, are very proud to kind of lead this kind of effort uh, and allow us to put time into it and make it successful. But along with us, you've got the city of Detroit. Uh, we've worked very closely with the mayor's office with identify, identifying a property and location for this this type of work, uh, which is going to be important, whatever industry it is. You got to have a place to do it. It makes sense. Um, the DESC, the uh, Detroit Economic Solutions Corporation, uh, for very uh, chipping in and uh, helping us also market and identify candidates, and also um, you know give them computers and things of that nature to help uh, and, you know decrease that digital divide, as they say. And um, I think yeah, that's essentially it. I want to make sure I thank those folks who have uh, contributed to make this thing a success. And I think we'd be remiss if we forgot our contractors, our local contractors with yes. DTE and IBW. Uh, they've been very supportive throughout the whole effort, and um, we truly appreciate them also hiring the graduates, thus making the program successful. Yeah, that's a great point. And it sounds like there's the business need as well. I mean, it, it's a critical function that DT Energy needs to continue delivering reliable energy to your customers. Yeah, I mean, if, if we don't if we don't trip trees to our maintenance cycle, we're going to have more and more outages and more and more customers are going to be unhappy and we're not going to be doing our job. So it's our job to do exactly what we're doing. Wonderful. Thank you both so much and best of luck. I, I hope to see many more classes graduating in the, the coming months and years. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Our next guest is Kelly D. Curtis from Pepco, part of the Exelon family of companies, who will talk to us about Pepco's partnership with the government of the District of Columbia for the DC Infrastructure Academy's Pepco Utility Training School. She is the Director of Talent Management at Pepco. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Can you talk to us a little bit about Pepco's Utility Training School program and kind of how it aims to prepare DC residents for careers in the energy industry? I absolutely can. and I. Um, Really excited to talk about this program, and I will try not to go on and on. Um, our partnership with DOES is something we're extremely proud of and continue to work together to make even more successful with every iteration um, of uh, class that we go through. The work needed to build a smarter, stronger, and cleaner energy grid would not be possible without a skilled workforce. So programs like this um, and other programs that we have provide a vehicle for PEPCO to be directly involved in connecting our community residents to careers in the energy industry. Since we launched the program, over 70 employees um, or participants, I should say, have received employment offers and we're off to a very positive start this year with 19 having already graduated and 20 currently in the program. They're actually having a little celebration this morning. The program not only prepares participants for the requirements of utility jobs, but also provides work-ready skills such as interview preparation, resume writing, networking, safety awareness, and generally career development and career progression. The program also supports participants with wraparound services, such as interviewing outfits, financial advice, mentoring, which is provided by a number of different um, agencies, employees, leaders, you name it, we do a lot of mentoring. 
Um, there may be services that are unique to a particular participant or class, and we have a number of community-based organizations that we work with that step in to help. A great example of that was in 2020, um, which I know we have lots of great examples of things in 2020, um, but we really had to quickly pivot to figure out how we were going to do things virtually. And um, we did not anticipate Wi-Fi and laptop issues. And we had to really quickly work with our community partners, with our, our IT department, with some of our contractors to secure uh, Wi-Fi services, hotspots, laptops, and make sure we could safely get those to our participants so they could be successful throughout the program. And um, that was really huge and something we were um, very proud of uh, being able to support um, the participants in that way. We had two cohorts graduate last year in a virtual environment. Um, and in fact, our first cohort of 2021 graduated virtually as well. And um, we're just immensely proud of that. And That's for sure that shows commitment by our participants to roll with us through all those changes. Absolutely. So in addition to providing the skills you're going to need in the workday, it's really creating the, the skills that they need to kind of enter into the workforce and to, to kind of make sure that they can have their kind of professional lives in order throughout as well. Absolutely. Can, what sort of uh, positions or what sort of work are they getting trained to do? Yeah, that, that's a great question. There's a number of different job opportunities that folks have gone um, into. They're all supporting the energy industry. So the partners that we work with, which I'll talk about more in a, in a minute, um, they're all supporting the energy sector. So they're going into uh, meter technicians where they're working on the equipment or they're going into our underground um, department where they're working on our lines throughout the, uh, the district or the overhead department which um, really doesn't affect the district as much as it does out in um, some of our out areas in Maryland. And they are really set up for success for a number of different positions. And all of our positions, whether it be with us or one of our hiring partners, does go through then extensive training on the job. So they then continue to gain skills and gain um, the ability to go into future jobs. So they're really working on just a myriad of different opportunities across um, the energy industry. So for the curriculum for the programs, is it a combination of classroom learning and hands-on? I know you touched a little bit about the virtual accommodations made over this past year, but as designed, are they actually kind of in the field learning some of these skills? They are. And that, that was a challenge for sure in 2020. Um, and we were able to, to start some of the hands-on back in that first cohort of 2021. They are introduced to, uh, to tool usage, tool awareness, uh, safety equipment, um, the harnesses that they need for climbing um, or you know fall protection. They're introduced to pole climbing, um, what it means to be in an underground environment. So we have a yard built over at our facility where they get those experiences. And um, so, yeah, they get a lot of classroom time, but they also get a lot of hands-on time. That's great. And I know we hear a lot about safety in the industry. So I imagine a lot of that curriculum is designed just for the, the safety in the workforce. Yeah, that's, and it's really great because we bring in our safety professionals from, from PEPCO to talk to the individuals. Our hiring partners bring in their safety professionals and just really talk about just all the ways we keep our employees safe in, in the work that they do. Now, you had mentioned some of the community groups you're working with, and I know you're working with, or PEPCO's working with Washington Interfaith Network, and you have a goal of enrolling 100 participants for the program this year? That's right, yes. We have a goal of uh, you know expanding our support and making sure that we can um, draw more people to these programs, make them aware of the program that's out there, get them interested in these great jobs. Um, that's not the hard part for sure, but really making folks aware of the support that they get throughout the program so that they can be successful. And our partnership with Washington Interfaith um, has really helped us do that. 
we've been able to draw more members from the community that um, we maybe haven't been able to reach in the past. Wynn is reaching out to their congregations and community uh, residents to drive program awareness. They partner with us on information sessions. They provide mentoring throughout the program for our participants. Um, I already mentioned mentoring, lots of mentoring, and really just make sure that we can continue to support um, individuals that go through the program and make sure they're successful. That's great. And how else is, is PEPO working just to make sure people understand and just are aware that this, this program is out there for them in the community? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So we really partner with DOES um, and their, uh, I'll say marketing efforts. That sounds like a strange um, term for, for this type of program, but we, we have a lot of um, different strategies, social media, we're running um, an advertising campaign. We recently partnered with DOES to um, help with the website design so that it made it easier for participants to enroll and figure out how to navigate through the process. Um, we have worked with you know groups like WIN and uh, a number of other community-based organizations to host meetings and talk about the program and talk about um, the support that individuals get throughout the program. We also network with a lot of other companies um, besides our hiring partners. There are a number of companies that have a vested interest or have their own programs and we support each other when we meet individuals to make sure that they're getting aligned to the program that best supports them. So you had mentioned DOES. So that's the DC's Department of Employment Services, right? Yes. So working with the city. So does the city have initiatives as well that you all are coordinating with? That's absolutely, yes, they do. And um, they go to a lot of the community-based um, events to make sure they're um, promoting the program. We have our own internal department that does a lot of these events. So we partner together to make sure we're showing up, showing our partnership and making sure that we uh, are explaining the program so that folks feel that they, they can participate in this. And, and I think once we get folks involved and talk through what they're gonna be going through, they feel pretty confident that they're gonna be successful in this program. You had talked a little bit about um, bringing safety into the classroom and, and making sure that you're preparing the folks who go through the program. But um, don't some of the, the people actually get some of the first aid safety and OSHA certifications? They do. And we did add those um, programs last year. Um, OSHA certification, um, flagger certification, first aid certification, CPR are all things that we added um, throughout the program. They weren't things that we maybe thought of initially. And that's part of the feedback that we've gotten. And every time we run one of these cohorts, we sit down with the participants, we sit down with our hiring partners, and we talk about what else could we go do to make folks more successful. And those um, elements are things that we've added in over the past couple of years so that folks are able to put those things on their resumes, feel really confident that they've gained these skills and really make them more marketable and employable out with our, um, with our partners and with us. That's great. So giving them kind of real certifications that can give them a bit of an edge when they're applying for these jobs. Yeah, and it looks great when they can put that on their resume for sure. So you talked about the classroom work and I know that there's probably a lot of work that goes on in the field. Uh, doesn't Pepco also have like simulated environments, like simulated underground facilities that they get to train in as well? We do. Um, we have some pretty amazing equipment and actually a lot of our hiring partners do as well. So we're able to show them what it's going to look like, which was really what helped us also in the virtual environment. We're able to show them what a substation looks like. We're able to show them what it looks like to be working underground and in um, underneath the you know the the district where they've lived probably their whole lives and what it really looks like underground, 
what it looks, looks like to work with some of our equipment, demoing some of the equipment on video, as well as then explaining it to them in the classroom. So they're seeing it and talking about it and able to ask questions. We have a lot of simulations um, with truck driving as well, which is um, actually a lot of fun. So they're able to also understand that part of this is eventually um, for most position obtaining a CDL license and what that really looks like in some of these really powerful vehicles that they'll be operating and it's pretty exciting. So you've had a few successful cohorts go through the program now. Do you see momentum building? You, you said that you kind of get feedback from each group that goes through and build on the program, but I, I imagine you're starting to get some great momentum. We are. We're, you know, we're seeing uh, referrals of family members. We're seeing referrals of other community members. And what's really great about that is then they're supporting each other throughout the program. So graduates know what it's like to go through it. So they're able to pass that experience and knowledge on to others so that they, again, feel really supported going into the program. That's been really, really rewarding. And just knowing who knows so-and-so who went through the program and that sort of thing. And it, it's becoming um it's like a family, right? We, we, we really feel that as participants go through these programs, we get to know them very well and we get to know who they're sending our way. And that's just been um, excellent momentum for sure. So importantly, if someone were to be listening in today or if they had a friend or colleague who might be interested in learning more, where would you send them? If there was one place where they could go to learn more about this program, is there a website or somebody they can call? Yeah, since so we just talked about the uh, refresh to DOES's website where they can click and apply, fill out an information form that somebody can then reach out to them and talk about the steps to then participate in the program. So I would definitely direct them to does.gov as the first place to go, fill out the information form. Somebody will get back to them, talk about the requirements, what they need to do, walk through the various steps, and they um, will be set up for participating in the information session learning more about the program and then moving on from there. That's wonderful. And I know, especially for the making sure that folks have the skill sets that they need and the safety qualifications, that there's a lot of exams and, and tests that applicants need to pass before they can enter enrollment. So does the program focus on helping people prepare for those sort of exams? It does. We talked about the safety. We talked about the hands-on experience. But much of the start of the training focuses on test preparation. Many jobs in this industry require pre-hire testing. And I know if I had to take a test, I would need a little support. It's been a while for sure. So we help the participants with test content, concept awareness, testing strategies, refreshing math skills, and generally developing comfort with the testing process really making sure that they feel confident when they're sitting down to take these tests and, and go through them. So they're getting the hands-on tool train, they're getting the pole climbing, they're getting the bucket trucks coming in and, and doing the demos. But that classroom support and, and preparation is really a big part of the curriculum. And um, we really want to make sure folks feel very confident in that space. That's great. I, a few years out of school myself here, I, I imagine pulling up and taking an exam right now would be a little bit nerve wracking. <laughs> I don't think I would be very comfortable. <laughs> so it sounds like the curriculum has a whole bunch of different pieces built into it. So do you complete one section and move on to the other one? Or is there a graduation that's involved when they get through the whole program? Yeah, it's a great question. We celebrate the milestones throughout the program and we really try to make it fun and engaging and bring folks in, bring some media, bring our photographer in. And I mentioned graduation um, a few times throughout this program, and we really like to make that 
fun. We, we have um, certainly had to do things differently over the past year, but regardless, we wanted to ensure that our participants felt that this was a big deal and we were celebrating their graduation right there along with them. This is not an easy program. The jobs individuals are moving into are life-sustaining, life-changing jobs, and our participants work very hard to get through, through the program and will continue to work hard in their new roles as they learn and they gain more experiences and gain more skills. So graduation should be a big deal. We like to ensure we have lots of folks from, from our company, from our hiring partners there, DOES, of course, from the district, family members show up, and it's just generally a celebration of all their hard work and the next milestones, which, of course, is going to be their job offers. So we get very, very excited about it, and I, I know I look forward to the graduations. Oh, that's so wonderful. So throughout the industry, we're really seeing that these sort of training academies really are creating a lot of opportunities, and they're really tremendous examples of working with local officials as well as local community groups just to help people. I understand that these opportunities are out there. And as a Pepco customer myself, it's just so great to hear how successful this program has been and how many groups here in D.C. and the Washington area that you've been able to work with to make this successful. I have to say that the work that we're doing in, in partnership with the district and with the community partners and with our hiring partners has just been tremendous. And we continue to look forward to growing it and working with our community members to make sure that they know about this program. They feel that there's an avenue for their success. And really, I mentioned it just a minute ago, these are life-sustaining really you know life-changing jobs that they're going to be getting into and that's really important to us that they're not just getting a job offer at minimum wage or not a life-sustaining wage we're ensuring that when we're working with the individuals and working with our hiring partners that we're providing wages that are life-sustaining and can you know move their um their, their the way of life to a different um, level so that we ensure that they're set up for success. And success to us does not look like they got an offer and it's over. Success to us is keeping with them. We still know where folks are that were with us two years ago and what's going on with their careers. Where are they now? Are they with us? Are they with one of our, our hiring partners? Have they been successful? And it's been wonderful. We can track just about everybody that's been through the program. And I'm happy to say that almost all of them are still with us. And that's a huge, huge testament to this program. That's great. So thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for just the investment you're putting in not only the programs, but really in the individuals to make sure that them getting through the program is really just the start form. Thank you for having me. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> thank you so much. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and come back next week to hear more from experts and industry leaders who are talking about the innovative ways electric companies are building a cleaner, smarter, stronger energy future for the customers and communities they serve. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Electric Perspectives. I'm your host, Brian Real. Thanks for listening.